What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Middlecoff! Hey, hey! Are you still uh, contact high from your trip to the Greek on, uh, what was that, Friday night, Saturday night? That was uh, Saturday night, yeah. You, you, can't, uh, you can't underestimate the crowd at the Greek for a slightly stupid concert guy. They, they were, they were rocking and rolling and rolling, rolling and rolling and rolling. <laughs> I just wanted to scream out ease.com promo code ham to everyone. But you should have. Promo code ham? Promo I code had ham? Uh, a realization. Chances are they're repeat users. Yeah, they... they Everyone came packing. They, they didn't need deliveries, you know. They didn't need deliveries. You know, the beer sales, you can tell, like, are they selling a lot of beers? Everyone just getting high. Oh, really? I mean, there was a lot of beer being sold, too. But Yeah. Would you say there's a lot of, was there a lot of wine being consumed by the people there, smoking? There, there were no cocktails, just wine and beer. So, yeah, I mean, all the girls, most girls had wine. A lot of guys felt like every, guy, you think, felt like every guy had a joint. Was wine, like, what was the wine to beer ratio? To, to, to weed, joint to wine to beer. Like what, if you give me a bar graph. Well, I'd say every group. So either like if a couple or a couple guys together or, you know, a group of like 10 friends, minimum, there was smoke coming out of the group. And uh, it was, I'd say most men, you know, give or take had a beer in their hand and women kind of hit or miss. Either water, a lot of water being consumed because a lot of joints and I, I actually dabbled with a guy, a loyal listener from our radio days named Nick. He What's up, Nick? works construction up, and I, 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 he hadn't been listening to the pot. He's like, I loved your guys' show. I'm like, fuck, fuck we've Nick. been rolling for years, my man. So he's like, I'm on Nick, Podbean. 2019. I went to Podbean. I linked it up for him. And uh, big Raider fan, and he, he was passing the J my way. We bought each other beers and, you know, just a man of the people guy. Yeah, that's a that's a blue collar. I will subscribe to my own podcast for you if you're not a subscriber. One hundred percent, because Full I could tell because we started BSing a little bit, and once I kind of got the drift that he was a Raider fan, I'm like, well, hey man, uh, you, so you li- I, I opened it up with, hey, you listen to radio? He said he did. I'm like, what was your favorite show? What kind of shows you like? And he started naming it off. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm John. I'm a John Middlecoff. He didn't believe me. He did not believe me. I pulled out my wallet and showed him a debit card. 
<laughs> and then we started having, like we often have, and I got triggered a little yet on a Sunday with Raider fans. People in real life are not like social media that constantly want to defend and get angry. And he was very, very, just had common sense football takes, right? Like most normal football fans about their team that Mrs. Khalil thought Amari was soft. Just normal takes, you know, like you would have a conversation with a normal fan. Sometimes I, I lose. I some, you know, if I, if I have nothing going on, I can get triggered over a comment that I say and then the responses. And sometimes Raider fans get, God, guy, they get so defensive. And you know what hit me yesterday? A deep dot, deep take? Is that you only have a hot take when that person disagrees with you. So every Raider fan always says, I have hot takes. Well, I'd argue that their takes are hot because everyone disagrees with the way where they're coming from beside their own fan base. I mean, I love I love that take. I don't think I agree. Because I just, I just have no opinion on a lot of people's takes that I think are hot takes. So maybe it's more team-specific. Yeah, I think a lot of you know fan bases, and I think the Raiders are a unique one because they have this chip on their shoulder. They're very active on social media, the group. Uh, they get disrespected a lot feel everyone's out to get them and I just that's not the case I promise you it's that just you guys do a lot of not you guys but your team does a lot of weird shit you know just like when teams do weird shit in the NFL same thing happened to the Niners do people forget the Niners got absolutely destroyed the Harbaugh Tom Sula like 24 month even to chip, chip yeah as strongly as any Raider interaction the last no they do uh, yes they do forget that they, they, they have to. When, when the terrestrial radio show started, it was nothing but the Raiders are amazing, this is awesome, and the Niners are a complete and utter joke. But yeah, people forget that. Because in the last 20 years, is Al, Al Davis got pretty nuts with a couple draft picks. He had some crazy draft pick nights. But I would say the craziest thing to happen, now the Raiders moving is, is kind of just separate. That's in its own little vacuum. That was crazy. Uh, but on the field or with the team, the Harbaugh to Tom Sula to me is the still the craziest Bay Area incident in football of the modern era. There's obviously Al has some nutty ones, you know, the projector and stuff. But Harbaugh to Tom Sula, that that's that's. I don't insane. think I don't think the projector. I, some of those projector things don't get topped though. Yeah, I mean Gruden did get traded. I just mean, yeah, specifically the projector stuff. I'm just given, though, like the difference between the projector stuff is part of it is like the power of social media, Jimmy T farts. I mean, there's just shit that if Al, prime Al, when it started getting weird, would have been instead of 2006 in 2018, it would have felt equivalent to Harbaugh Tom Sula. He was just a little before his time as it got a little outrageous. I mean, Lane Kiffin got fired. When you take a step back, that's not that weird, right? That he got hired was weird. Yeah, that, that's, I guess, part of my point. Like, they went from Jim Harbaugh to Jim Tom Sula. That's crazier than any Al Davis move. Because even when he traded Gruden and, uh, and he made Bill Callahan the coach, they did make the Super Bowl the next year. Now, they lost, but they did make the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I get... I, I probably agree with you fundamentally, but I just like I think these are, I think organizationally the the low lows in terms of how they've been made fun of are on the 
they're on the same plane. Like, I don't think Tom Sula is like, I don't think they got made fun of anymore. Because this is what it is in the NFL. It's just you, everybody's a national brand. So when people make fun of you, it's everybody. It's not just your team's rival that makes fun of you or your local media. Well, I also think... It's the entire football world that makes fun of yeah. you. Yeah. because so it feels co- heavy. Because beside your quarterback, wouldn't you say the coach is typically the most famous person in your organization? So when weird shit happens with yeah. a coach, like when... Uh, when Tony Soprano buried the football, you get made like that. That's the equivalent of like Clay Thompson doing something weird. Like that's a famous person doing something crazy. Jimmy yep. T, you know, whoever. Jack, I don't really remember what Jack did. Chip was. Chip was just a disaster, even though he didn't totally get blamed for it. But the team was a royal disaster that year. But it, what kind of I was went- his fault? But like him and Balky hated each other. I need a deep dive on that year relationship. <laughs> From the athletic. Would you rather get a deep dive on what it was truly like between Chip and Trent or Reggie uh-huh. and John? Chip and Trent. Yeah, I would too. Because that to me is more of a power struggle than Reggie and John. There was a clear line of power in Reggie and John, right? Yeah. To me it's not like it's not even close. Not don't get me wrong, I would love I would love a Jack and Reggie. That would interest me. I mean, I'm, they're both fascinating. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like neither one wins here. Like they're they are on equal footing. I agree. Just at not the exact same time. Now, I went to Jeremy Pivot on Friday. That was at the uh, uh, Palace of Fine Arts. That was indoor. That was a heavy edible crowd, John. Because no smoking heavy inside. Crowd. No smoking inside. Heavy edible crowd. A lot of wine. A lot of beer. Um, and a lot. Of, I saw a lot of just edibles. Um, How do you see edible? Pivot came. People eat them. Well, I just you just kind of cont- yeah. I mean, it's just like you know, you know what it is. Yeah. Uh, and you hear just in line for beer, and you hear just like people talking about what they got. Uh, but Piven came out, and one of his first jokes was like how he spent a lot of time in San Francisco, and he's like, "Girls, like," because he comes out, he's like, "Whoa, a lot of fellas in the crowd tonight, a lot of dudes." And uh, one of his jokes was like, "Ladies, there's, the odds are in your favor around here." Uh, no, he said the odds are good around here for you, but the goods are odd. Oh, that was a good line. <laughs> you know, he—they're lucky in LA, man. They got—they got a little more talent, I think, just top to bottom than, than us. That's—that's that's for sure. And he's right. I mean, JP. there's there's some weird shit going on. Uh, of course, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Ease, e a z e dot com and easewellness dot com. If you're ready for outside lands or if you need help getting ready for outside lands and grasslands, which is where, where Ease will be, go to the Ease Instagram page. Go to the Ease Twitter page, John. You have a chance to win VIP tickets to uh, outside lands at the Ease Instagram and Ease, Ease um, Twitter pages. Well, I know this. Before you go to outside lands, and I would imagine a lot of people at Jeremy Piven, definitely a lot of people at Slightly Stupid, were headed to outside lands. It's this weekend, guy. Uh, you, you need to get prepared, and the way to get prepared is you go to ease.com to get your THC, your vapes, your pre-rolls, just your regular weed, you, you, your edibles, whatever you need. They got it at ease.com. Promo code HAM, $20 off, over a $50 deposit, or I mean a $50 purchase. They deliver it to your house same day. It's incredible, like in the same like, 30 minutes. If you live in California, obviously if you live in Northern California and you're going, they're right here for you. Or, guy, if you want your CBD... Go to easewellness.com, promo code HAM. 
they got same thing. Your drops, your edibles, your things that your sleep aids, your uppers, they got it all. Your your rubs for your your little uh, D Ford tendonitis thing he's got going. And uh, yeah, go, go get it. EaseWellness.com or Ease.com promo code HAM. Promo code HAM. Starting Wednesday, you can stock up on special festival deals Wednesday through Friday this week, the 7th through the 9th. And again, go to the Instagram page, go to the Twitter page, and uh, you can enter to win VIP tickets to Outside Lands. And if you're already going to Outside Lands, you can check out Grasslands, which is the Ease setup uh, inside. E-A-Z-E dot com, E-A-Z-E wellness. And if you're, if you're there program. at Grasslands, take some pictures for us. Link us in the pictures, Instagram, stories, Twitter, whatever. Oh, yeah. We love the stories. Yeah. Promo code and hashtag promo code ham, baby. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Was that the alert on your phone that D Ford's coming back to practice as we record this on a Monday? No, it was uh, Draymond Green Jones joined Steph Curry and Clay Thompson as the only Warriors to have that kind of escalator. Green's deal includes trade kicker. I don't give a shit. Oh, I got the worst one I've ever gotten today, John. It was a Twitter alert on the phone. It said, news for you. And I don't even know the guy's name. It said, Nick Smith announces he's been released by the Ravens. Or I don't think his name's Nick Smith. It was something like that. Yeah, it's some former starter that's Did not you a get starter that one too? anymore. No, but I just saw the headline on it's Twitter. The wor- it was the worst alert I've ever gotten on my phone. The worst one. Yeah, I mean, I've never gotten a worse one that's in terms of just a sports news. He's a center. Who uh, that But announced, he announced it. He announced it. Everyone's always announcing their own shit. Well, that's the you team. Like, the team's like, well, out of respect for you, buddy. Like, yeah, you're gone either way. So you want to announce on Instagram, we'll tweet it out. We don't care. One less thing for a PR guy to do. <laughs> yeah. You do the statement, buddy. We'll retweet it. Uh, the statement that has everybody interested, though, is D Ford, who got the PRP uh, in his knee, knee tendinitis for the new 49er, John. This, we talked about this a little on Friday because that was one of the pieces of news on Friday was that he was not practicing. It's going to be a little longer than even we realized on Friday. But uh, this is a big, like, they gave up a second round pick for this guy. They paid him a lot of money. This is a big deal. Out a week, as I think Kyle said yesterday, my biggest concern, guy, and I noticed this during OTAs and the practice I went to, I guess if I go to practice this week, he won't even be there, was they used him like a normal player. I, I do understand when you acquire a veteran player. You know, remember the statement you often use, like, just because you pay a guy, the money, like, that guy is still the guy? That's a papaism. Yeah. yeah. Well, how do you say the statement? Well, well when, just because you pay a guy a bunch of new money doesn't change the, who the player is. Yeah. The player is the It's player. not like some But I think when you, have, when you have a veteran player, in basketball and baseball, you don't really practice. You just play. In football, practice is a big deal because you practice, especially in the month of August, for a veteran player, way more than you're going to play. Hell, you might not play at all. So practice is important in football. But when it comes to older, established veteran players, D. Ford has to prove nothing. Now, as a, as a human, as a competitor, as a team, obviously he's going to want to practice. Show the guys what he has. He's just a high-paid player. He's probably one of the highest. Hell, he might be the highest-paid player on the team beside Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Making like $20 million this year. Like, I, I understand it. But it is on you. I, I saw a good tweet today. Well, I saw a couple good tweets coming from the, the, the Texans and the Packers had a joint practice. The first tweet I saw mm-hmm. was, a melee has broken out. It's like a fan. It got retweeted on my timeline. I swear <laughs> to God, guy, 
All 90 men on both teams are fucking just, it's like a baseball brawl all running at each other. I, I don't know how any coaches possibly stopped it. But then another one a little later was J.J. Watts on the sideline with his pads off. And Pelissaro just tweeted, he's fine. He just, they don't, they treat him with, like, he knows to make it through a season. He doesn't practice that much. Like, D. Ford, I, he rushes the quarterback guy. When the ball is snapped, he gets upfield and he rushes. He's a guy that has battled injuries on multiple ends. I was texting with a guy in Kansas City today. He had knee issues because I was like, God, does he ever had knee? I thought it was always the back. You know, like, yeah, he had knees coming out of college. He was a wrist then. And then obviously he battled the back in Kansas City. Well, I, I would say there's no coach in the NFL. Tom Ali gave this guy credit for saving his career than Andy Reid. He doesn't make him practice when, when an established player's injured. Once I know, like, I know what D Ford is. He was a Pro Bowl. He's a pass rusher, and he's a good pass rusher. But I, I can't have him banging around in practice. And coaches fucking love practice. Win the day. I mean, you go to all these colleges and see these cheesy ass sayings, and into them they're not cheesy. But you know where I'm sitting. This is this is on the coaching staff. He should have practiced very very little, like Joe Staley. The practice I went to, Joe Staley was just in shorts and t- the only veteran not there. And I texted a buddy in the league. I'm like, yeah, Joe Staley, two practices in, he's already off. But that, I, I got no problem with that. I treat D Ford the same way. And now he's already injured. And this is on the 49ers. Good organizations do, do not try to win the Super Bowl August 1st, especially with a player they gave up a second-round pick for. They're paying a lot of money. And it's one thing if he's never been hurt. You're like, that's kind of random. This is a guy whose entire career was based on kind of injuries. And the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs basically told you, we're punting on this player because we think this guy's a major upgrade. And the guy they got, which they paid way more money, they also paid way more for. They gave up a first-round pick. So I, I'm blaming the 49ers coaching staff on this one for just being too bullish and trying to set all the – like that type of st- – it's so stupid with veteran players that get injured, guy. I, I just – Well, to me – Bother. I would stop short of what veteran or not. Like the question I would ask is D, uh, and I and maybe this is an awkward one to ask, but once you've signed him to a contract, he should be comfortable enough to answer it. How did you practice last year? Like, if you have reoccurring knee issues, which I don't think the Niners. This isn't uh, Sam Dyson, who the Twins just acquired, and all of a sudden he's got he's on the DL. It's like, what did the Giants know? It's like nothing. Well, why didn't they use him in any of those extra inning games? No reason. Rest. Like, okay, well, why was he off for those three days? Oh, uh, we had other guys we wanted to use. As far are and I'm not just going to – I'm going to lump Farhan in with the group. Numbers guys a little cold-hearted when it comes to trading injured guys because he wouldn't be the first. Well, the first thing I thought of was when the Giants uh, traded uh, Matt Duffy. Remember, Matt Duffy was, like, immediately hurt. Like, what's the deal? He can't get on the field in Tampa. What's wrong? Did the Giants know? Like, that was a big thing. Didn't, didn't the Padres GM do something shady, like, last year? Got him in trouble? Yeah, he did. Was that with a hurt? It might have been, actually. Yeah, I think like they erased some Probably. record. I can't even remember the details, but it was like, God, that's pretty shady. Yeah, that's, that, sounds, <laughs> that, I, that sounds right. I believe, and I don't blame them, they knew what they were doing when they traded Sam Dyson. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, I do think the Niners knew who they were signing when they signed D. Ford, because we all knew. We talked openly about all the issues that D. Ford has had. We all knew. So I don't think it snuck up on them. That, to me, is where the question comes in. D, what did it take for you to get through last year? Like, just how did you practice? 
And maybe that's tough. Part of that might be just no D's agent. D, what did he do? Because D might say, like, I'm ready to roll. I want to show you guys what I can do. All that stuff. Guy. But you do a little the little background. Like, you go read the reports from last year. Was D skipping practices last year? I mean, this would be scouts would know, right? They talked to other scouts. But, see, I, not even just the Niners. I think in 2019, with all the information we have and the way these teams fall injuries, every player like D Ford that is acquired, the team knows. I think the just the teams that are really high level, really well run, don't ever forget what they know. Because it's easy to kind of get away from it. You see them at OTAs. You just kind of lose touch of, of it. Like You think if Kyle Shanahan called Andy Reid, do you think he'd pick up the phone? Honest question. Yeah. 100%. And then if you think he just started picking his brain about D Ford, don't you think he'd be... Andy likes D Ford. I've talked to him about him. I think if Kyle just called and asked... He'd probably give them their blueprint. He doesn't, because they're not playing the night. He doesn't even care. He wants to see D Ford probably play well. Like, I just think coaches get lost in this shit because practice is like, let's see him up against McClinchy. And I mean, I'm on the sideline, you know, filming it. It's sweet. It's awesome. Don't get me wrong. But he shouldn't be doing that. I, I just, he should not be doing it. Where you said it's not just veteran players, I disagree a little bit. Like with Bosa, you kind of got to establish some toughness. You got to see what you're... It's a little different with younger guys. But once you get a 27, 28-year-old that you traded to get, like you treat this one differently. I'm just saying, there to me... I'm Well, you're right. I'm saying there's a category. There is veteran players, and then there's hurt players. And, and sometimes that category crosses over. True. Veteran players who have never been hurt, those guys, yes, I'm with you. Manage them. Veteran players who have been hurt, manage them. But hurt guys is not something like you got to be kind of aware of that too. So he's a double whammy, right? He's a hurt, been a hurt guy with pretty significant injuries, and he's an older player. Yeah, I guess ultimately, maybe what what I think about the, if he had never if he was never a hurt guy, and this is his first camp with them, I'd understand them practicing him. But he's not just 100%. a veteran guy. He's I a, like the, agree. the right. Yeah. Okay. Completely agree. And I, but I, you could argue that he should have been on the same. Uh, plan like Joe Staley two days into camp off day why is D Ford not off that day too and I get it like if you're D Ford who everything I've heard high character guy you take pride you got a new team they paid you some money you probably don't want to take camp off but where Joe's like doesn't really care because he kind of knows the deal he's got nothing to prove to anyone in that room you just tell him bro you're not practicing like it's just it's one of those things that the argument always over concussions were right. You can't let the humans make the decision. What well, I, I, you treat the shit the same way because naturally competitive players, like deep down, JJ's probably come to grips with what needs to take place. But when they first started kind of implementing that a year or two years ago, he probably fought back a little bit, right? Like I need to practice. I need to keep my edge sharp. Like this is how I work. And then they've kind of just come to an agreement. Now, I'm not putting D. Ford in J.J.'s category as a player, but like J.J., who's had major injuries and some back stuff, you tr- it's all about fucking Sunday, especially with defensive linemen. We'll get into Antonio Brown a little bit later. It's not you need to you know master the offense, the timing, the chemistry. As a pass rusher guy, the ball's fucking snapped and you go, especially in this defense, it's wide nine, one gap, just get up field. It's it's as basic of anything D Ford's ever done in his career. Well, you think about like in baseball, there's obviously a pride in playing every day. 
But there are off days and then there are off off days, right? And sometimes the manager might say, John, you're going to be off. You're not, you're not starting tomorrow. You're not in the lineup tomorrow. Which is different than, John, you are not playing tomorrow. Show up at 6.30, right? Like those are two different things. One of them is you might play. Just One of them is I don't even want you warming up tomorrow. If you said to a player, hey, man, uh, what do you think? You want to not show up? Just let me know when you want one of those days when you show up at 6.30, 30 minutes before first pitch or 15 minutes before first pitch. No player is going to tell you. Like most players, I would say, are not in a position to feel comfortable saying that. Like I'm not going to show up till 7 tomorrow. Skip. Completely agree. And I, I think the difference probably in baseball than football is these guys kind of get used to it. They see it with other older players. Where in baseball, even when you're old, if you're still kind of humming, you still play a lot. Where I think that, and when I say older players, you can be viewed, like Antonio Brown's old, right? I mean, older, and he's 30. So right when you get to that 30 threshold of a certain position, you you got to be ready for, remember how Justin Smith was treated? The Cowboy, one of the toughest players of his generation? Harbaugh would constantly give him days off. We'd go to practice, he'd just be chilling. And no one even thought twice about it. I, I think guys understand it. And that's where I think back to Nick Bosa. You know, I'm trying to think of an example. Like for the like Joey Bart came up next year for the Giants. And it's clear he's really good. Well, if he started getting like every other day off and started treating, people would be like, what's going on here? But I think if D Ford was on the Joe Staley plan right away, I don't think he'd lose respect from his teammates. Right? Because that's, to me, always the thing you worry about, of like not practicing him with a right. new guy. People are like, what's this guy's deal? I, in the worst case is when you have the results of this guy. Like, this yeah, is, this I, is what happened. So I do think we have to, just as a caveat, say it's also possible that one... The, the other thing that would concern you about D. Ford from the day of signing, and we've talked about this, is it's possible that even if they managed him well, he would be dealing with knee tendonitis. But it feels like maybe they didn't give him the best shot. But we have to allow for that too, right? That they're going like, – even with kid gloves, like that's what would concern me also is like even once they put kid gloves on him, this is – that's like his – didn't he say it? Sometimes the knee hurts, sometimes it doesn't. Like, okay. Well, that means that last year while Kansas City was managing him, sometimes the knee hurt, sometimes it didn't. 100%. And that's what the number one theme from them was just – weren't comfortable we'd consistently be able to get to game day. And let's just say that this wasn't, let's say I'm wrong. Them managing him or not managing him had nothing to do with this individual situation. But you would know like knee tendonitis was always possible with an injured guy. This was the major risk in acquiring this player, right? That just something could come up. Knee tendonitis? Because we make fun of Todd Gurley all the time for knee tendon ice. I use it in my examples for CBD, easewellness.com, promo code AM. Because the, the scary thing with knee tendonitis, and you've ever met anyone with tendonitis or arthritis, is it is somewhat random. Like you can just have these spells of just pain, and then it'll go away, and you'll think you're fine. And it, especially with arthritis. So I, the PRP, now McGlinchey got a PRP right, right after we talked to him in the spring. And it was no big deal. But it felt like the McGlinchey PRP, a little more maintenance, a little more just young guy getting ready for the season. I, I'd i say this is a pretty big red flag, though, guy. That's that's my main takeaway. And I, I'm going to say the coaches have to be willing to just let this guy sit on the sideline and watch during practice. And it's hard for them. 
you go to these, you've been to a million football practices. They're just, they, a good coach, a, I have always thought likes a practice, maybe not more than the game because the highs are so big in a game, but they love practice, guy. They live for practice, being on the field, working their schemes, working the game plan. Like that's, it's their fucking home, right? It's like a great white shark in Santa Cruz area. I love when I read an article that news breaking, ton of great white sharks off the, off Mavericks. Like, yeah, that's their home. That's like uh, news breaking. A lot of people live in Los Angeles. Like, yeah, we get it. That's where coaches want to be on the grass with a whistle and a practice script. That's, that's their sweet spot. But in, in college, you know, in high school, you got to play, you got to practice, right? I, I get it. In the pros, when the big time cash comes into play, you have to be smart about what you do on the practice field, and I think a lot of coaches struggle with that. All right, we, we've uh, we talked last time about uh, Quentin Williams making sweet plays on the practice field. Turns out Nick Post is making sweet plays too. Although his quote the other day was incredible. What did he say? I'm going to go play with myself. That was a great. Yeah, they they asked him video. like they just asked, "Did you see your rating on Madden?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm an 80." See, I'm excited. I'm going to go play with myself. And then he Which was fine. I mean, and then he makes it funnier. It was like, oh, that sounds A couple funny. people in the crowd kind of giggled. And yeah. I think that made him giggle. He's, would you have to say he's one of the best quotes right now in the NFL uh, from a playful I, standpoint? I, I love him. I'm a big Quinn and Williams guy. But hey, look, if uh, Nick Bosa keeps doing what Matt Mayoko and everybody else is reporting he's doing, then I'm good with that too. Had a couple of sacks the other day, beat McGlinchey and beat Staley. Um, and the, the one that really stood out, you sent me this tweet from uh, Mayoko over the weekend. He said, it's, he looks better than Alden Smith did at the beginning of his 49ers career and Alden hit the ground running. So that's a pretty significant thing. That's impressive. That's, that's, I had not thought like, I wonder what he looks like compared to the way Alden looked early. So it was a good piece of context there from Matt. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's bold praise from a guy that. If you follow Mayoko in his Stockton shirt, you know he's going on like his 25th camp. So it's why a lot of people in the NFL lock into these beat reporters because the guys that have been there for a long time don't just throw shit against the wall. Like Matt's not just saying that. Now, I'd say here's the problem with that bar. And when you just say that, and he might be right, and I was texting with a couple guys in the league, they're like, yeah, I can see that. Bosa was just so... You know, the knock on him was almost his best positive, right? He's so pro-ready. And then the knock was, how much better can he get? Right. Well, Alden was just, it's one of the all-time great kind of, not a flyer pick, but it clearly, most people did not view him as the ninth or whatever, was he the 11th? No, seventh, I think he was top 10. Yeah, he might have been the 7th or 8th pick. Wherever he went, people were like, God, that's kind of a reach. But it turned out, you know what he was? The greatest ball of clay we've seen in the NFL in a long time. And they molded him immediately. He had 14 sacks as a rookie. Do you know how many games he started seven. as a rookie guy? Number seven. Well, he's like two. Zero. He okay. did not start a game. He was a nickel pass rusher, 14 sacks. Which has to be an NFL record. Most sacks for a rookie who never started a game. You know, it's just... And it was clear, like, God, this guy doesn't look like anything. I... And I quoted Matt's tweet when I saw that. It was like, this is bold praise coming from Matt. But Alden, he doesn't even need to me to match Alden's sack number. If he got 10 sacks this year, the Niners would be thrilled, right? Right. Like, the bar Alden set in the games was ridiculous. It was well, clear. He, to me, John, he doesn't ever have to look like Alden. Alden was, is this going to be 
the all-time sack leader when it's all said and done. But I'm talking, like, they're never going to look alike, but I'm just talking production-wise. I'm just saying, like, we never have to, to me, Nick Bosa can be successful without us ever saying his ceiling is what we were saying Alden's was. Because Alden's yeah, was he, so stupid high. If he could have a five-year stretch of 55 sacks, they'd be incredibly happy, right? Or is that a little underwhelming with the number two overall pick? Do you yeah, want some 15 I, I don't, sacks? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the number is. I just know he doesn't have to be Alden to be a great success. Alden's peak. Alden's peak looked like one of the greatest pass rushers we've ever seen. He doesn't have to be that to be successful. He could still be a, an all-pro. I'm just My ultimate point is Alden was like beyond all-pro. He was all-world yeah. at his well, peak. Par- and part of Alden, right, was it was the production. But if you ever walked by him... And I guess most fans didn't get to, but you could feel it on TV when he was standing next to his teammates. You're like, God damn, who the fucking looks like this guy? Do his arms touch the ground? Is is this guy three inches taller than Justin Smith? Where did they find this human? Like, that's not going to be Bosa. That was part of Alden's deal. You're like, Jesus Christ. This seven overall, how'd this guy not go first? You know, that, that was part of it. It's like, right when you saw... Two games of Shaq in Orlando. You're like, oh yeah, this is gonna work. Now Shaq maintained it. Alden fell off a cliff because of so, of uh, sobriety or what, whatever his issues were. Or they're well documented. I don't know if Nick's ever gonna feel quite like that. But if you dominate, you dominate. Like part of were you at Bronco practice last year when they had the joint practice, or maybe a couple years ago, and we walked by Von Miller, and he's yeah. not that big. Yeah, like if you just see, if you just went to a practice and you did not know Von Miller, who Von Miller was, and he in that Alden draft went. Remember, two, Paxton Lynch looked awful that day. Looked terrible, <laughs> but just walk by Von Miller, and your first thought is he's not that big, <laughs> you know? He's just you know he just kind of blends in. But then you know who he is. You watch him do the get offs. You're like, hey, this guy shot out of a rocket. But I could see where you're just standing there. You're like, I'd take that guy, and it would have been Alden. Now. Bosa wasn't as much on physical attributes, even though his physical attributes were fine. It was more just he was a player. And I think that's where the Niners, like you said, if he just produces and is just a quote-unquote player, they're in good shape. But back to when you're the number two overall pick, you're kind of looking for Vaughn. Now, and maybe he becomes that. Like, you're looking for defensive player of the year, right? You're looking for a guy that can push 15 sacks every year. The standard's going to be, like, the, the the floor on him where people are okay with it is much higher than your typical player, right? Now, it's a little different, too, because the bar with the Niners is a little lower. But you know, once, once he starts flashing a little bit, you start talking yourself and how good can this guy be. Plus, mm-hmm. the curveball with him is... He's going to be compared a little bit to his brother, who's really good. Right. Who plays the same position, basically, right? He's just a pass rusher. I'd say Joey's maybe a little more unique, like you can line him up. I don't I don't envision Nick repping too much like inside, but Joey dominates. And it was clear if you watched a couple games once Joey finally showed up. I remember in like September, whenever Joey's first couple games were, I just remember him flashing going, Jesus Christ. This guy is fucking really good. And do, and guys in the league know fast. So will we know that? Do we get through two weeks and Bosa, even if he just has one sack through two weeks, we're like, that guy's in the backfield every other play. 
Yeah, I, I mean, to me, there's a level that he gets to that it doesn't matter if he's as good as Nick, right? There, uh, Joey, there's a level that Nick can be. I've gone. I think you just way. went like reverse splits for a pitcher. You <laughs> never hear a guy called Derek, Dave, or you never hear a guy called Dave, Derek, or Joey, Nick. I, I'm going to start it's doing the, the opposite. opposite reverse. To you like are the speak first. Nick's greatness into existence. <laughs> Nick Bosa of the San Diego Chargers. I'll do a double. Um, but, like, if he's just – there, you know, you'll know it when you see it where you go, oh, that's fine. He doesn't even – I don't even know if he's better than Joey, and it doesn't matter. Luckily, Joey's really good. So, even if he's not Joey, you can still be a big-time pass rusher. Um, I'm, just, I'm just glad he's making plays, John. I'm just glad after we had the Quinn and Williams, I haven't seen – there haven't been a lot of the video like that, but that's okay. If the reports are he's making plays and he's doing it against McGlinchey and he's doing it against Staley, great. Great. That's all I want. This is all I want is like every day, every day to the practices, there's another little thing about how good he looks. That's that's all I want at this time. You know, here here's the one thing, though, guy, is that to tie these two kind of topics together is their two biggest offseason moves by a mile were these two guys, D yeah. and Nick. And you're already in where you're already down to 50% of it. Right. Kind of, you know, it's one's going to be nervous. So your, your margin for error making you nervous just, it just, you're, if, if D Ford is, it doesn't work out in this time in the 49ers because he can't stay healthy, you're going to then need Nick to kind of double down and be an elite player. Yeah. But, th- th- you know, the counter to that would be this is why you do both. This is why you sign D Ford and still draft. Nick Bosa, right? You don't sign D and then go, oh, we got D, let's do something else at that number two spot. And you don't think, oh, we're going to get Nick, so let's not do D. This is where you do as much as you can. And well, also, I think you take, a st- you take a step back. Because let's say they knew they were going to take Nick when they did the D4 deal. I think the only other conversation is, well, who else could they have gotten? You go, well, they couldn't have gotten Frank Clark because the Chiefs were willing to give the first round their first-round pick the Niners obviously weren't going to give two, and the Chiefs' first-round pick is better than the second round for you know their second pick that they could have offered. Clowney, like what could they have offered to get Clowney? Could they have offered? Obviously, they wouldn't have given the number two overall pick. Would the would the Texans have taken it for their second-round pick? Maybe uh... I, I'd say here would be the major difference, though. Clowney would laugh at what D Ford signed for, which was twenty million in true guarantees at signing, and basically thirty three in total guarantees. I mean, Clowney's looking for like seventy five, eighty. So the number then, even if you're willing to do it, the cost is stupid. Now, would I rather have Clowney than D Ford for a second round pick and a lot more money? I'd think about it. <laughs> but th- those were basically your only options for acquiring pass rushers, right? Who were proven good players. So the D1 was cheapest, probably twofold. Cost the least amount of money by a mile. Frank Clark made double what D Ford got and cost a first rounder. Clowney probably wasn't really available at the time for what they would have even thought about. And the cost of acquiring a, a next year's whatever is always basically the equivalent of a this year's. So this year's three is the equivalent of next year's two is the way that I've always been told the NFL kind of, you know, like, money managers and, and numbers gotcha. guys look at it because obviously that value of that season is really valuable. Right. You know? Right. 
So I, I think given what they paid, they, they actually didn't give up that much financially, like what they paid them. They're kind of, it's kind of basically a two-year deal. They didn't break the bank for them. They had money to spend. The, the question would just be if they did underachieve this year and it goes bad, they didn't give up a second-round pick, which their last couple years, their second-round pick has been a top-10 second-round pick. Like that could, if the Niners are a disaster, and the, let's say the Chiefs, you know, are do what they did last year, just have a great season. That's pretty big ammo for them, right? right. Yep. I, I understood the deal. Just like I get the Bosa thing, I, I just think when you do it, you got to be both these two guys. You have to have a plan, and it's, to me, it's always easy to have a plan. Like anything in life, it's hard to stick to a plan. You know, it's it's easy to say it, and then the farther you get away from where you constructed that plan, whatever you do, whether it's putting together a podcast or fucking managing someone's injury, once you start doing something, you just forget about stuff. You just well, that's the you start getting into line. a groove. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. But I think everyone has a plan until you start actually doing it. You know, even it doesn't even take something negative to happen. Maybe something good happens. No, I just think away. punch in the mouth can just mean when, when, when the bullets start flying. When you, yeah, 100%. When the ball gets thrown in the air. Um, when you introduce variables, all that sort of thing. Speaking of variables, now, this is our last podcast before Hard Knocks debuts. There's billboard. Have you been seeing the billboards for it? No, where did you see the billboard? There's a billboard off the Bay Bridge. A Hard Knocks? Yeah. If you're exiting the city. I mean, there might be one coming in, too, because I think it's digital, so it probably changes. But it's just like the Gruden face like holding the football looking to the side with his eyebrow way up i wonder that's probably hbo spending that money right yeah it's an hbo billboard because they're thinking this is one of the biggest markets in america we should in theory if there's seven and a half million people here to watch we should be able to bank a million people right i I, yeah i would love to know i you know i don't think we'd get those i would love to know what hard knocks rating bay area rating is relative to like last year this year well, that's why you got to ride Gruden. I, well, the one thing I do wonder, and we'll never know this probably because the Niners would never do it, how many more people in this area would watch if the Niners were on it than the Raiders were on it. Now, I do think a lot of people are going to watch just in general because it's Gruden. So if you like football, it's a good hard knock season, right, in theory, going into it. Because John Gruden's the star. Yeah, well, it goes back to just this is football, right? It's just He's just so national that it will be a national hard knocks. Yeah. Like I think it's far more interesting going in than any hard knocks we've had for a long well, time. Well, like did you did you watch any of the all or nothing on Amazon Prime of Cam? Yeah, I did not. I saw some eclipse, but no. See, but and you probably won't. You know, I've watched a couple I've turned it off. Like it's not doing that much for me. But well, yeah, if part I told of it you, is like your rec if you told me it was great, I might have gone and watched it. But if I told you the New England Patriots did an all or nothing, is there any chance that you wouldn't dabble? Like, you wouldn't need me to recommend it, right? Right, right. Because it, it would be one of the biggest shows going. Or hell, if I told... Yeah, I mean, I'm just giving you that example. Like, that's part of the deal here for the Raiders, who I know the fans are going to get mad. Your fan base a little smaller than you think. I've seen the numbers. But Gruden is the great kind of wild card here, I think. And that's where yeah. they're riding, clearly. Yep. Which they should. Uh, Gruden said Friday, disappointed that uh, Antonio Brown hasn't been on the field. I think we're all disappointed. We think he's disappointed. We'd like to get the party started. We'd like to get him out here. Uh, Antonio, I actually think your tone is not doing him justice. He was a little edgy. 
Well, and then Antonio hit up, hit up a just so you know was what he posted on Instagram with a photo of his feet. And then somebody else, I mean, I guess he put it all over Instagram, a few photos of the feet. I mean, it's already a little weird, Middlecoff. When you follow a team and you follow their beat reporters, there are certain beat reporters that are just not going to say negative stuff about the team. Or when they tweet something out, it's going to tend to have an angle here and there. Like, they wouldn't tweet something out if the team doesn't want it. Like, Vic Tafer, did the team want it out that Antonio was seeing a specialist? No. But you know what Vic Tafer is? He's a pro. And he tweeted it out. So, that was a pretty woe moment. But to me, the woe moment was the dude for the Las Vegas Journal, Gelkin. Mm-hmm. He is, I, I would consider, the equivalent of a reporter on the Raiders payroll. When he tweets something, they want it out. He used the words frustrated. Everyone's frustrated. And I went, ooh, Middlecoff, Spidey Sense, red flags went off. He would not have thrown that out if they weren't thinking it or wanted it out. They are not happy right now. Now, talking with some people with the Raiders, their basic comment still is, when the lights come on, we're confident he's going to be around. And I get that. I would be too. And they don't think he's faking it or anything. But they, they just, this is a situation, unlike D Ford, where, because the Niners and the Raiders are two big offseason acquisitions, are now on the shelf. But obviously, the way they got to the shelf are completely different. You knew what you got when you had D Ford, injured guy. Antonio Brown, Mr. Durability. Like, the fucker doesn't miss time. Except when he got benched last year for throwing a football at Roethlisberger's face. And then they benched him week 17 in a must-win game. A little weird. People yeah, forget but that. But we might understand the situation if we had all the details. This one, who most people probably listen to this, follow AB on social. This dude was just, I mean, all off-season. like, what is this guy doing? He never stops. He's like training who knows where all over the place. He showed up to camp. They assumed he was healthy with fucked-up feet. So, well, remember, it was non-football injury list, but then after a day, he was cleared. And then he practiced, and there was that video that went viral of him, like, smoking a corner. Like, oh, it looks like normal. Well, then, clearly, the pain in his feet are so bad that he couldn't practice back-to-back days. And then, not only can he not practice back-to-back days, it got so bad, and people were tweeting that Mortensen reported, like, Texas John Gruden. John was basically like, we need to get this figured out. Uh, I guess Mark Davis told... Paul Gutierrez, that AB told him it was his right foot that hurts worse. Like, this is a problem, right? This well, is have a you legitimate seen, Have you issue. seen a good theory? Like, he looks like he got an awful sun... I remember... A sunburner. I remember when my dad hiked the Grand Canyon, he, like, his toenails fell out. Like, it was bad, right? Just your feet get, I don't even, brutalized. Just the wear and tear of stepping. Did he just hike the Grand Canyon? Like, what? what is going on? I guess on? there was a, a video they said on social that he posted over the offseason or right before camp where he was doing a drill like catching bricks with Gucci slippers on. Okay, but catching them with his feet or with his hands? With his hands, but he had, he had like sliders on, so maybe, I, you know, you just got really bad blisters. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if there is some just wear and tear. Like, he never stopped. And he's a guy that just works, 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 like just overwork. I texted some people in the in the medical field. They might know some people that know some people. They said they haven't been able to find out or hear what it actually is. Because uh, I would imagine the specialist was around here. But it's just, at the end of the day, like I, I don't care if D Ford practices at all. He's got to play on Sunday. With AB, there's a difference. Like 
I don't I care if like AB's getting hit in practice or whatever, but I need him practicing with the quarterback and the new offense. He's been in the same offense with the same quarterback for all of his years of kicking ass and taking names with the Steelers. And when you think about AB, and I was going back today because I'm writing an article for The Athletic, just trying to find some videos of him and Ben. Do you know what a lot of like AB sweet passes are? Like back shoulder fades, like all this stuff that just, they were on the same page at the highest level. And that's, I know Derek, I think he was talked about it either two days ago or three days ago. Like he's not as worried. They worked together a bunch during during OTAs and I think the off season. And I, I, I don't think he's lying. Like that's, that's what Derek believes. But deep down, Derek knows this shit does matter right now just for timing. We're D forward like the ball snapped, he goes. The timing on this is different for a wide receiver. Do you, do you think that's fair? I do. And I, do and, and I think they can feel good in practice and that's still not quite doing it 100 out of 100 times when totally. you know, in a real game. Like it, so I think that's fair. They were going to need – it was going to be unfair to think that they were just going to – even if he was full go all offseason and all training camp, they were just going to hit the Denver game, nine catches, 90 yards, and two touchdowns, right? Yeah, what you don't want, right, is like a shot of him or a shot of Derek doing like the hands up, like why why did you go that way when you should have gone that way? But I, I'd Gruden. argue now if he doesn't practice all training camp and does make it to Monday – that would be kind of understandable. Well, in addition to the physical thing, you're right, it would be. But in addition to the physical thing, just clearly there's some communication breakdown here. Why do you like, say that? Well, because if you're frustrated by him, either he was doing something you didn't want him doing, or you didn't realize the severity of his injury when he showed up, or you don't quite believe him. Because like you said, Gruden had a certain tone. Then Gelkin tweets they're frustrated. Then Antonio feels like, well, I got to get my side out because they're making me look bad. So then I post just so you know, right? To me, it's not just that he posted pictures of his feet. Like, these are freaky. He wrote just so you know. In other words, don't let anybody tell you that that I'm not actually hurt or that I don't actually want to be here. I want to be here and I want to be on the field. So that to me is, I don't know if there's a trust. It might be too strong to say there's a trust issue. But clearly, nope, they're not on the same page. We're, we're this less than a week I, in, and they is, weren't on the same page. This is why I always believe, guy, with injuries, unless you're the Patriots, which they, they fall under a different category. If it's not in season and you're not going to put a player at risk, like if the guy has a broken arm and he's going to play through it, I get why you don't want to say anything, right? Because if that guy's going to play on that game, they're going to people are going to try to break his arm more. Like, I, I, I that makes Twitter uncomfortable, but that's the reality of the sport. This one's pretty basic. Like just we we got we can't we can't comment we have no comment we're not going to elaborate. Well, if you do elaborate, everyone kind of pulls off the rain because right now no one knows what's going on. And then the natural reaction with something like this, and we saw it a couple years ago with the Raiders with Gary on Conley, people kind of start calling you a pussy. Like, oh, he just doesn't want to practice. Oh, he's doing his own thing. Oh, he's not even that hurt. So Antonio Brown's like, fuck this. I, I my feet are peeling off. I got messed up feet. Remember Conley tweeted something after Reggie said like he's. Remember that? That was weird. Yeah. What? Uh, it was. It was something they they didn't know what it was. They they kind of acted like they were frustrated. And Conley's like, "Fuck! I need surgery." I, I I forget exactly how it played out, but it has some parallels here. That if you were just some coaches, I, Kyle's good at this. Andy's a master at this. When a guy, hey, his feet are all messed up. We are not sure what the injury is. He's gonna go see a specialist, and then the stories don't come out from Vic that then kind of take a life on their own that then snowball out of your control. Too many teams try to go the Patriots, and it's not... Like in the Patriots, you would never 
tweet out. Like, that's not how they work. Just so you know, right. Yeah, that, that's not allowed. Well, do you know what? That's allowed every other team. Because it's like, fuck you, you're kind of calling out my manhood or acting like I'm being a diva or acting like whatever. Look at my feet. Well, when you say we think he wants to be, we want him here, we think he wants to be here. Who said that? Well, that was the Gruden quote I just read you. It oh, was, oh, oh, or like we for, think we're, we're frustrated. We think he, whatever it was, it was we are and we think he. Yes. So have you talked to him, or do, do you have you not talked to him and you don't know if he wants to be there, or you talk to him and you're not quite sure if you believe him? You know, here's the other problem, guy. Is I was thinking about this today when I was kind of putting the article together. Is with the Niners, it would be easy to pivot if you're Kyle and you realize, God, we got to treat. Uh, four differently in practice. He's a defensive end. Part of it is like, if I'm Kyle, I'm not necessarily using him in practice because I'm calling the offensive plays. I mean, that's that's When Gruden talks, he says we when he talks about the offense. Because I saw a great quote from uh, t- one of the, it might have been Tafer. I guess he screams like, <clears throat> hey, Pauly, at Paul Gunther, you, you want to do a little uh, inside linebackers versus running backs one-on-ones? Like, he, he thinks he's no, the No, not really. Because he is. So, Who's his number one toy? Fucking Antonio Brown. Who's getting frustrated that he can't kick everyone's ass in practice and the defense is getting the best of him? Or just that he can't do all the plays that he's been drawing for the last six months late at night or early in the morning. That's what makes him extra frustrated. If it was a defensive guy that he was confident was going to be fine, I don't think it would bother him as much. It's just just human nature because that's kind of hit the offense is his baby. The, the, the wide receiver, all the plays he's drawing are his plays. That's his ego, you know? And that's it's not about what they're paying him or what they gave up to get him, which wasn't that much. It's about his number one toy has not been available, and he wants to dominate on offense. I think that's driving Gruden nuts. But that that's creating, you can already tell, there's there's some tension now. Uh, to say the least, I'm And with in you. fairness to the Raiders... They didn't do anything wrong, right? They just, this guy just showed up fucked up. Like it's, if I'm the middle guy, Raider, Raider, I'll defend him. Like they, they didn't create this, right? More, more than likely. No, they didn't create the, no, they didn't create it. But once it's the reality of the situation, you know, you, you know, you signed Antonio Brown. So let's make sure this goes as smoothly as it can. But like they are not. Like we're not we don't get to, you don't get to bully Antonio Brown around. This might no, be. but they're not. They're, he's not even practicing. I'm just saying the things you say about him when you talk about him matter to him. Well, that that's where I get back to to let the, the clearly the Raiders are in bed with the, the Las Vegas Journal, which I, I get. I mean that's just so up there, alley. Uh, well, doesn't Sheldon doesn't Sheldon Adelson own the paper? Yeah, that. So. Uh, <laughs> That to say you're frustrated to me is stupid. Like what? Just I, I even if you are, just keep that kind of in house. Also, don't, by the way, if a team tells a reporter they're frustrated, the reporter should tweet that. Well, I, I don't blame the reporter for putting it out, yeah. but I'm just saying like they did that on purpose. Like they they get they give that type stuff to that reporter. And I'm that's, saying it's a, yeah yeah that's separate, what he gets. separate comment. It's a little early for that in the Antonio Look, Brown era. One hundred percent. You you could say this is where. Back to your point about bullying him. Why are you even jumping in this end of the pool yet? Like, I'd get if it's week five and he's played in one game, then you could freak the fuck out. But you're August 4th. His feet are clearly messed up. 
If he needs a couple weeks off, it's not the worst thing. And this is back to what I'm saying. It is driving Gruden up fucking shit's creek, writing, drawing up these practice scripts for his offense, not having 84 out there. It's driving him nuts. Because I, I just know the way offensive coaches are, and he's the all-time alpha of wanting to win every drill, wanting to win every practice. They're getting filmed. So part of it is like, it's going to be out there being filmed, right? He could get a little HJ in HBO of everyone being like, oh, look what Gruden's doing with Antonio Brown. You're not going to be able to get that. He doesn't mind the cameras, right? He likes it, right. but he wants to show off. Yep. Uh, you know, and then it's it's big too. I mean, Derek, the story is uh, Derek's built. I, initially, the story was Derek is buying a house next to uh, Gruden. But then the story is he's actually, he is building a house. Constructing it from scratch, guy. Now the Raiders are going to be in Henderson. Henderson, popular spot. I think uh, Mayweather, at least for a long time, lived in Henderson. Uh, Real estate's we, a little cheaper there. Didn't, oh, we went and saw our buddy Travis Wilson. Remember that? In he Vegas, Henderson, and he told yeah. us he would see Mayweather doing road work in his Henderson. Pa- his pad was in Henderson. But remember, he said he would drive to Henderson and he'd see Mayweather doing road work like early in the morning, running down the street boxing. Yeah, because he was a construction guy and he'd have to go to the side if he had to leave like 4.30 in the morning. That's when the Mayweather would be training. Yeah. So uh, with, the, with the lights on, like 20 guys. That's ran. right. <laughs> people, are, people, are, people are enjoying the story, though, about Derek, which I think if Derek Carr, if nobody, if there was no doubt that he was the starting quarterback 2020 for the Las Vegas Raiders, um. I don't think people would be having as much fun with this story. Like, are you sure you want to build next to John? Well, if this was the equivalent of like Mahomes or Deshaun Watson or something like that, you wouldn't even think twice about it, right? It wouldn't even really be a story. Do you agree? Yeah. If it, yeah. If like it was if Derek that guy with their of, coach were. Sure. If it was just him having a great, coming off back to back, you know, just three years of being a really good quarterback, nobody would say anything about it. Here's the kicker, guy. Huh? Is the elephant in the room with Derek? Looks like they've changed it a little bit. It's a little higher than I thought. They can cut him next year for $5 million in dead cap. <clears throat> I remember that number being a little lower. I remember last time, maybe sporadic, spot track or whatever, this site has updated their numbers. But, like, for example, if the Raiders had cut Derek Carr this year, it would have cost him $27.4 million. So he was a lock to be on the team. The only way he wasn't going to be on the team and we talked about some of the scenarios around the draft, was a trade. Right. Now, he was a tradable player because you, the, the dead cap was terrible, but his cap hit really wasn't that high. It was 22.5, and you're only paying him $20 million. It was, and then you can get out of it, so if they were able to trade him or keep him, he's a pretty flexible guy. You can get away from him for $5 million. Now, even if they kept him, you get away with him the next year for $2.5 million. And we know the way the NFL works is, you know, there aren't really sacred cows. Even with quarterbacks, the way to become a sacred cow is you got to either win big, like win a Super Bowl, that's going to buy you some time, or just give the coach you're with confidence or that guy acquires you. Well, this group didn't acquire him, and if he plays like he did last year and they're drafting in the top five again, if the Raiders have the same season they did last year and Derek shows some signs and they have some – they have some fun. They're kind of explosive here and there. The defense is terrible, but they go 5-11, and 11, and they're drafting 7th overall. What are the chances Derek Carr's on this team next year? Slim to none, none right? 
What if they go, like, what do they need to do for Derek to be on this team next year? Could he have a big year, like like Matt Ryan? 35-7, the offense is really good, the defense stinks, and they go 5-11. and 11. Back and on you, the team. You keep him that way. 35-7? at seven? That, But that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, he has yeah. a big year, he's in. If yeah. he has a big year individually and the team sucks, he's safe. If the team's good and he plays solid, he's safe. Yep. If the team sucks and he's not good, he's gone. So, the story... Raiders fans love, they're all in my timeline, like, everyone making this up. It's, no one's making this up. He has a $5 million cap hit next year they can get out of. He's got to play well. He has to. Yep. House or no house. He's got House play. or no house. I agree. Now, the good thing is, if me and you were overextending ourselves for a second house when we were living somewhere, and it went the wrong way, we'd be in trouble. He makes a lot of money, he'll be fine. Well, and I think Nevada's growing, so he'll... Uh as a rental property or as if he flips it, whatever. He'll, you yeah. know what? Here's the good news. If he has to sell the house, guess what? A bunch of NFL players are moving to Vegas next year. So there will be a market. Do you think he right? can sell it to like Ryan Tannehill or Teddy Bridgewater? <laughs> sell, the move would be if you're a quarterback without a job, you move in next to Gruden to try and start you know, well, last mowing year, his lawn. You want Gruden to sign you. Last year... All the pressure, I thought, was kind of on Gruden. Derek got a little lucky. Gruden took it all, especially once he made the Cleo Mack trade. Like, he, wouldn't you say the majority of the bows and arrows hit Gruden in the chest? Like, they, yeah. Derek avoided a lot of it. Yeah. I think this year, assuming this guy's feet get okay and he can play in regular season games, because he would have a little bit of excuse, let's say, if Antonio missed the entire season. Let's just say, worst case scenario, it comes back. He's got fungonitis, lytolitis, some random disease, and oh, he's God. out for the year. Very rare condition. Then immediately Derek would be like, well, my ace receiver, he's out. So you'd have somewhat of an excuse. But if Antonio plays, Tyrell Jack Williams, Darrell would be like, Darrell was like, well, it's a simple blister. It's like, no, it's fungalitis, extolitis. <laughs> yeah. If Antonio plays, the pressure on Derek by far, to me, has the most amount of pressure of anyone with the Raiders. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, yes. I do agree with that statement. I do. Not Obviously, on- Gruden always has a lot, but just his contract, not going anywhere. Like, what? People talk shit. Right, like, doesn't mean to me, anything. yeah, I mean, it's as simple as Derek's boss is more likely to fire him than Gruden's boss is to fire him. Yes. By, like, it's not even close. And th- the same could be said about Mayock. Like, Mayock... To me, the only way Mayock's not back is if Mayock doesn't want to be back, right? I agree. Like it's not no one. There's no no one's Mayock's not telling Gruden what to do. So I get a lot of like, is Gruden going to be around for five years? Well, we do a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, I, now I I think he could have long staying power. His best chance by far to me, guy, is if Derek is good. Mm-hmm. If Derek could just have seven or eight more good, like just become a really good solid. What we thought he was going to become in 16. I, he didn't need to become Aaron Rodgers or anything. If he just became Tony Romo, right? That's right. all they're looking for. It's just a guy to put him in the mix. Then Gruden will be here for a long time because the team will be competitive. If he's not, it could just be a double whammy disaster because you're always chasing your tail, trying to find a quarterback. You get rid of Derek. There's a chance, a, a good chance, that guy you acquire is not as good as Derek. And it's just the wheels just get screwed up. 
Because it would be pretty nuts if I would have told you in like 16 when Amari was a pro bowler, Khalil Mack was defensive player of the year, and it looked like Derek Carr might be the MVP of the league, that by 2020, Derek, Amari, and Khalil are off the team. You wouldn't have fucking believed me. No one would have believed anyone. No, no. That was going to be the core of the future. And it looked... They were like the NFL's new triplets, John. They were sweet. For, For Raider haters... Sure seemed like you and I were tweeting and talking about them a lot, right? They were awesome. And now there is a chance. I mean, there's only one amigo left. And as we've seen with the contract, he's got to play well. Because I think that was part of it with Amari. Where it was easier for Gruden to justify Khalil Mack, not a defensive guy who was going to cost a lot of money. I understand that. With Amari, he was never going to trade him before he got to play with him. Like, just see what I got. And then he got his hands on him, and he didn't like him as much. Which is fine. Gets moves on, but I. It was under. Not only was it fine, it was understandable given what he was getting from him at the time. Well, it looked like honestly, like Gruden, incredible move. Like you didn't just get a first rounder at the time. I think the Cowboys were three and five. It looked like that pick was going to be a top ten. Yeah, you're like, well, the Bears are good, but you suck, and you got a top ten pick for Amari. You're going to have two top ten picks. And then Amari just completely changed his career. I, have you? I, do you follow people with the Cowboys? Like Amari seems like a different human. Not just confident, but just the way he kind of carries himself. Like I, he's like he's got a swag back. <laughs> it got to the point where he was like he was like getting talked about like he was Kawhi Leonard as a warrior. You know, with in terms the of person. Yeah, did I say warrior? Yeah, as a Raider. Like it was just like it's just it was that level of weird. Kawhi's like. Weird. Personality, yeah, he was like a mystery. Because remember when he was traded, they grabbed him off the practice field. It happened during practice. Yeah, and then Gruden's like, "What? I didn't even know what was going on." (laughs) Like, oh my god, that's when even the Raiders were jumping the shark. It's like, what are fucking we talking about here? (laughs) It's like I grabbed Amari. I'm like, "You've been traded. Like, what's going on here, buddy?" (laughs) Amari's like, "Who? Better better check with Reggie." I don't. Amari Amari ran faster to his car than he did on the practice field all year. I'm out. I'm out, bitches. Hey, Mario, you want to pack your shit into a garbage bag? No, just send it to me. I'll, I'll DM you the address. <laughs> or don't send it to me. I don't care. All right. Uh, some other NFL headlines, John? Uh, yeah. I mean, who would have ever thought that a 42-year-old would get a multiple-year contract extension at quarterback and it not be weird at all? I'd argue you could say this in all of sports. A 42-year-old player. Like our parents' generation, that's unheard of. Uh, our generation, it's really kind of unheard of besides like a kicker. It's pretty nuts. It's just not even that nuts. That's what I think is the craziest part. It is insane that it's not even very weird that he mm. did this. Yeah. Rap, so Rap, since the deal was announced, Rap Sheet tweeted that Brady's new deal includes a provision that does not allow New England to franchise or transition tag him for 2020. So it's the 2019 season. So after this year, they can't tag him, and they can't, they can't tag him, okay? The final – and you would say, well, why does that matter, right? He just signed an extension, so they wouldn't need to tag him after this year. Here's the other part. The final two years of the deal automatically void – on the last day of the 2019 league year, but he can't be tagged. Brady will be a free agent. So 
He signed an extension that automatically voids. Right? Am I reading that right? The final two years automatically void on the last day of 2019. This contract sounds illegal. So it's a fake extension. Well, how? Yeah, I don't know. They got cap space. Yeah, so they made they just they just got five or what? What they get five, five and a half, five right and a half million? Yeah. And how is this contract allowed? It's not a contract. So so basically, <laughs> I mean, it's a loan, John. He just gave them a loan. <laughs> how are they cheating and they're getting away with it? <laughs> so why? <laughs> well, so basically, what's going to happen, right? Is he's going to be a free agent? They'll just re-sign him to a big short-term deal that'll help their cap space. It's just a never-ending cycle. That's right. Because he's yeah. not going to end anywhere else. And clearly he said, well, I need a little bit of a bump. Because at the time, I saw a rap sheet or someone on TV talking about it. I think he was like the 17th or 18th highest paid quarterback in the league before this fake deal got signed. So it was like, come on, motherfuckers. I mean, we have some extra money. Just give me five or six extra more. So I'm like, just give me a little more money. <laughs> you know? it's. But also, yeah, it's, imagine somebody who plays for Belichick actively making themselves a free agent. It's weird. Well, yeah, but what it says is you can't you're not trading me. Yeah, like I am going to resign and I got like a blood promise from Robert Kraft, but you're not trading me. But I, but I think on just a bigger picture, I think your original point still holds up though. But I I also think it's easy to say, well, of course, you know, you take care of Brady, when's he going to quit? He'll be 50 before he ever taps out and I he sat down, it was his birthday and everyone was tweeting about his birthday. And he loves football. It's the only thing he's ever done. I get it. One of these days, though, it's going to end, and it feel it's going to end hard because this this doesn't go on forever, guy. And every day that he gets older, you'd say it's going to end even harder. I don't know how. Probably be an injury, but does this guy just get to keep playing forever? Is it really just that simple? He's going to get to walk out on his terms at forty five and rack up a couple more Super Bowls. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just the perfect Disney storybook ending. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I think what we're guaranteed is either that or it's a year too long. Like, what I'm beginning to think, what I I, what I think about it is, it's more likely that Robert Kraft forces Bill Belichick to play with him for a year, or Bill walks away and it's Josh McDaniel's turn, than it is that he just somehow gets forced to play for some other team. I used to think he'd end his career on the Niners, but... So you're saying that, let's say, let's say this year... He looks dramatically worse. Like, not Peyton Manning bad, but clearly nowhere near Tom Brady we know and love. They still manage to win 10 games, get knocked out in the playoffs, but it's like, God, is Tom shot? Well, he is. He'd be 43 the next year. The right football move, Bill Belichick would say, like, it's time now, Robert. The thing is voided. Is there a chance that maybe it's just business? He is 43, then even Tom, then maybe Tom walks away. Like, would, would you think Tom's going to go out quietly if it does get ugly? Because Peyton. You give Peyton credit, it got really ugly. He got benched that year. They somehow still won a Super Bowl. Remember the Rams tried to get him to come back, and he just retired. It was the right move. Because he fell off a cliff while he was playing, not like came back for an extra year, right? Yeah, I mean, history tells us players think they have more left in the tank than they do sometimes, right? But I just think it's totally dependent on, does Tom? if Tom still thinks he can play, then then I do think he would play for another team. Before he just retired because the Patriots made him retire. I but I also think Robert is going to give him another year more than maybe Bill, I would agree, Bill wants to. and Bill would be the opposite. I, I just wonder where Tom falls. And if me, you, and Peyton Manning, we just opened up a 12-pack and just started drinking talking. And we asked Peyton, said, like, 
that year after the Super Bowl, deep down in your core, did you know like it's over? Or did you think like if I just rehab, I could still play one more year? Like, or did you just have enough self-awareness to know? Because I do think Tom falls in the Peyton category is they are truly just on a different level kind of than everyone else. Tom even more than Peyton. He'd watch himself on film if he did suck. Because I, I saw Schlereth-on with Colin like a couple weeks ago. And Colin asked him, when was the time you know? And he said it was like my last year in the league, I had coming off a bad injury and I was watching practice film and we rotated offensive linemen and I look up. He's like, my eyesight was kind of going, and I, I was watching. I thought it was the backup guard. I was like, God, this guy kind of stinks. And I was in the room by myself, and I got a little closer, and I realized it was me. And I was like, oh, my God. And he he, he, he honestly almost started crying because you could tell, like, this was a moment. And he's like, I went up to Shanahan's office the next day because I prided myself on never fucking the team. I'm like, it's over, Mike. You can't throw. I'm going to get us killed. And I started one more game. He's like, I pulled myself out after five play. It was over. I was done. I was not an NFL player anymore. I also wonder, like, smart to me, smart so, guys do have some self awareness, especially when they're older and have made money. Yeah, I do think though. You make me think because Jeff Schwartz has told me the story. He's probably told you the story. I saw he tweeted the video the other day that he's tweeted before of he had like multiple ankle surgeries. He said, "You, I just couldn't anchor. I just always was getting shoved back." He tweeted a video of what he thinks his last good block was. Because he said, if you watch the video, I, I couldn't anchor. Somehow I just, he got leverage and pancaked the guy. But I do wonder if because offensive linemen and defensive linemen are physically power dependent every play, if it's just so much more apparent to those guys. Like, you can't deny, like, I just got pushed around. That's why, like, with Peyton specific, the, the arm strength was so bad. Or, or a running back or receiver, like, I used to be able to get around that guy. I can't get around him anymore, right? I used to be able to get open on this corner. I can't get open. Yeah. I, it's no different in basketball, right? Like, you know, he's lost his first step. He can't get by anybody. I'm like, right. fuck, that happened to me. I'm like seven years old. I've never been able to get by anybody. I wonder what that feels like. So you're telling me you just dribble and you can get by any guy you want that's standing in front of you? That's got to be an incredible feeling. <laughs> and they don't do the – it's not because they let you go by so they could poke the ball up. Yeah, you do, wait, you don't even need a screen or anything? You just <laughs> go around them? <laughs> that's got to be an incredible feeling. Yeah, just a – it's it's truly going to go down when you factor in the controversy, the championships, the greatness, the age, yeah, the most unique career. I you know like Babe Ruth. I mean, he's going to be on a short list of just the most unique career we've ever seen in sports. Well, and the odds are that the year it happens will be a year that people were that it was totally reasonable to pick him to win the Super Bowl, right? Like it'll be like we sit here right now, August fifth, twenty nineteen. If it happens this year, we didn't see it coming. I, I everywhere I keep reading it like, and if he's good this year, then we'll pick him to do it again next year. I keep reading. Bill thinks Bill is telling people he has one of his more younger, faster teams he's had over this era. Like they are high on their team. Remember, they've had all these draft picks the last two years. They think they're going to. Yeah, be the offensive good. lineman got hurt last year. Yeah, they, they think they are going to be good. What was that guy's name? At the uh, uh, I almost called him Randy Wynn. Isaiah Wynn. They yeah. drafted Sony Michelle. This year they doubled down. They took Damian Harris from uh, from Alabama. Alabama. So they got sweet young running backs to go with Deion Lewis. They drafted Nikhil Harry. They kept all their defensive players that they wanted. Gronk's gone. Gronk's gone. Which, But I think, you know what I think they'd tell you? We love him, and he's a Hall of Famer, but he was nowhere near what he was beside like a couple plays in the playoffs. He was yeah. basically just a blocker. 
Uh, no, yeah. But, uh, I'll tell you a story I like. What's Josh that? Rosen might be QB1. Now, we're recording this Monday. I haven't seen the report Monday, but this was the story from the uh, Saturday inter-squad scrimmage. Um, uh, Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald said that uh, Josh Rosen made remarkable throws and that Fitzpatrick was not very good. Fitzpatrick threw two picks um, and almost could have thrown a third. Well, that that helps his case because clearly it felt the first couple weeks and even all of offseason that, my gosh, they're going to go Fitzpatrick, they're going to go Fitzpatrick. And I say it all the time, coaches value practice. Coaches do value these scrimmages. So if you're just going live one-on-ones and Josh Rosen's killing it, I got excited because I saw on my timeline like Saturday morning, I saw Josh Rosen just hit Kenny Stills for a deep bomb, ones versus ones. And all the responses were like Miami fans, like cartoon pictures of a boner and just, you know, that's good. He should be the starter. He's more talented than Ryan Fitzpatrick. You acquired a first-round player for a late second-round pick. There is no reason not to do it. We've talked about it before. I do understand if he's terrible, but he's not terrible. And I think if he has a couple good moments in training camp, I'm starting to think, is this guy going to be the starter week one? Probably will be. He's just a better player. In right, theory well, and in reality. What else you got? What other headlines? The I almost said the Houston Rockets. The Houston Texans, I guess it's well reported. They've been telling reporters they are not going to trade for Melvin Gordon. Well, the they, last cut, time, they cut Deontay Foreman on Sunday. He's just fat, slow. I mean, that's just a former third-round okay. pick that's not any good. I don't even think that type of shit's not even that weird to me. I, I also think you can just find running backs. But And we've talked a lot about Melvin Gordon. He's like, I want to get traded! The Chargers are like, okay, we'll trade you for a first-round pick. Anyone offer a first-round pick? Okay, we'll think about doing it for a second-round pick. Uh, crickets. Like, hey, Melvin, no one's trading for you. I- I'm sorry, nobody. So I think Melvin Gordon's going to be uh, be a Charger. Another story I kind of like. Yeah. Umdakwe, the sweet pass rusher for the Jacksonville Jaguars, ended his holdout on Sunday. And I guess his comment was like, I'm not talking about it. He is a guy, I think he's had, you know, like 25 sacks or something the last couple of years. He's a really good player. But part of a holdout when you're him and you do have some leverage, because as a pass rusher, you, you're valued around the league. And he's a guy that could be a 4-3 defensive end, a 3-4 outside linebacker. He can just do a lot. He should have kept holding out. Like, make them a little nervous. You showing back up. Like, I, I'm not going to compare you to to uh, Khalil Mack, but you're a guy that does have some juice. I'm looking at his sacks totals. He has 29, basically 30 career sacks, but the last two years, he had 12, he's had, he's played three years in the league. Eight, 12, nine and a half. Like, he's a legitimate bona fide pass rusher. They're like, don't show back up to practice. Stay away. Like, kind of fuck with them. You, they're, they're not going to find you. You've drafted them. You know, the Jaguars drafted you. I think he just gave up a little fast. Now, in fairness, he's probably like, hey, guys, they're finding you every day 40 grand. That would make me nervous, too. <laughs> I mean, especially if you weren't a first-round pick, which he's not. But, like, you have the leverage. If we're going to start it, like, to me, Melvin Gordon, go back to camp. Sign your deal. Zeke, show up. This guy, make him a little nervous. Fuck with him a little bit. Because mm-hmm. you know they're not going to find you. And we know they need you. I'll give you one I like. You see the Freddie Kitchens, what Freddie Kitchens said today? No. The days of inside information and the days of unnamed sources and stuff like that have ended. 
You're not going to get information like that ever, he told the media. Anybody. And if I were to ever see it, they're fired immediately. That's the way we're running this organization. Did they have something that popped up? So apparently what happened was a former assistant coach, Bob Wiley, said the the, ch- the, super, ch- the super chubby guy from last year's Hard Knocks. Said that the Browns should have kept Greg Williams as their head coach. Well, that guy put his name on it. Yeah. My own personal feeling is that Greg was too strong a candidate for the seat. I don't think Dorsey wanted to go head-to-head with Greg like he had to do with Andy Reid in Kansas City. So we kind of filtered Greg out of the picture, and the search kept going. Baker likes Freddie. There's a good relationship there, even though Kenny Zampezi did all the coaching there. Oh, the former QB Ooh. coach. Uh, Baker likes Freddie, so that had to factor into the decision. Oh, that's 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 the real that's the real story. Ooh, so yeah, Freddie, toughest job in the NFL this year. When you factor in the expectations, the entire fan base thinks you're a lock playoff team. You you add Odell Beckham, one of the biggest personalities yeah, in the Baker's team. Baker's already been anointed. I saw Baker. Everyone views as a top five quarterback. Who I tweeted this out yesterday. You saw the picture of the Indians where he shotguns the beer. Yeah. They didn't. No one had opened the shotgun like with a knife or a key before. He bit it open. That that's is right. insane. That's, I've never that's seen impressive. that. That's Does impressive. he have canines? I guess that's insane. That's impressive. But there was a video that went viral wow. yesterday of Beckham signing a license plate. That on the license plate, the first three letters were OBJ. Uh huh. And it's clear they're leaving the practice facility. In the NFL, players drive to work. Like even the Matt Ryans, the Bradys, they get in their car and they go to work. They're not usually driven to work. Odell Beckham's being chauffeured and like it might have been a Bentley, it might have been like a five series Mercedes. It was a sweet ride. He's being chauffeured to and from practice. Like maybe it happens on a day or something, but most guys, like I think the one part normal about football, like when you go to work, like Tom Brady gets to work by getting in his own car. Odell's being driven around. Like there's just you're saying Freddie's out- juggling a lot there. Yeah, it's just there's a lot going on. It's a tough job. That's I like that quote from Freddie. I just think the hard part is Freddie. When you do have anonymous sources, how do you how do you smoke out the rat? It's not easy, right? It's just hard to tell. Yeah, like, it's like well, if I know, it's like yeah, that's knowing is the hard part. Like, you, you and I... Firing a leak is not the issue. It's finding the leak. Well, I mean, a little backstory here. Like, 49ers, for example, they're adamant that they know the who the leak is in these Bleacher Report stories. You and I have been told by people on the other side that they don't know the right... They, they think it's someone that it's not, right? Right. Yeah. And I think this happens... When you know someone with a the team, they always assume, like, yeah, we know who's talking. Yeah, it's this coach always talking. Sometimes, and this is where journalists gets mad. Like, you don't know my source. Don't you don't you don't source guess. And in fairness to the journalists, like they might be wrong, right? Yeah, they 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 don't know because what Cause they, they, they there's no comeback. Is this guy and it's someone else? There's no comeback, right? Like it's not John. It's Guy. See, you were wrong. Like, oh shit. Yeah, because the journal just goes. Yeah, I ain't telling you. That's right. Protected? Are they protected by laws? Well, they yeah. You still throw him in jail, though. But yeah, um, because he'd go down with a source is always what they're. That's right. I'll go to prison for you. Uh, anything else? I, I wouldn't. I just sing like a canary. I didn't mean you. I just, yeah. In theory, <laughs> that's about it. 
Jameis? Jameis is evolving. Yeah, I, I think we can get into Jameis maybe closer to – I don't want to blow my load here on a week one opponent when we've go, got preseason games yeah. coming up. You're going to go Quinn and Williams? Because I, in fairness, like all the topics right now, you can't read about a team that like, you know what, they're really working on X that was really shitty in 2018. That is the theme in every practice. Like, right. We Everyone's are cutting down the, the turnovers. We are cutting down the offsides. We are cutting down the blown assignments. Whatever you were shitty at the previous season, whether it's a new coach or an old coach, they are, they are attempting to attack that. Right. To me, the only real thing is if quarterbacks are bad at a time when they can't get hit, that's a red flag to me. Like, wouldn't you say that's you, a big that positive true? for Josh Rosen having the big day in a scrimmage? That's cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's, that's a cool moment. But if, like, Jameis had a big scrimmage... Let's just say, let's say those same quotes. Like, Jameis hitting all these dudes in a live scrimmage. Like, yeah, he's a fifth-year player. I hope he's hitting some guys. <laughs> you know, he's drafted number one overall. Like, that's the standard. And in fairness, you don't get too much like, Aaron Rodgers is lighting up the Packers defense. You don't even, when you're scrolling, you just keep on scrolling, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Tom Brady with another strike. Yeah, no shit. That's why I don't even, when I see stuff on Jimmy, like, yeah, whatever. Just... Get me to that, week one. That does remind me, though, before we end this, I got to post a um, – I was watching it earlier. I, got, I forgot to post it. The, the throw that Jamarcus Russell made to beat ASU. Uh, it was yeah, like a bowl a, game. On the run, across his body. It's not quite the throw that Colin made to Anquan Bolden against the uh, Seahawks in the NFC Championship game when he hit him in the back of the end zone, but similar, like on the move, like 45 yards – not across his body, but just kind of got to move the hips. I'll post it here. Real if quick. you were just a GM on your couch, like on that Saturday night and witness that, would your job kind of hit the floor? Yeah, I would have driven been like numbers. Just put in the pick now. Just, just take them. Yeah. It's understandable. So anyway, well, ease.com easewellness.com promo code ham to all your friends. Yep. Go to their Instagram, their Twitter page. And, uh, and if you're going for the VIP tickets, enter for the VIP tickets. I almost called them Our Lads because that's where you get depth charts. If you're that's right. To do outside lands. Our, our Lads does sound like it's something other than depth charts. If, our, if I told you Our Lads was like a sweet music festival in the desert down in Palm Springs, you totally. might believe it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Our Lads also let you know who's starting and who's not starting. That's right. Uh, so check. People often ask you know the... me, like, Middlecoff, where do you get your depth charts? I just type in Our Lads and it's yep. first steam. And I've got the fifth string kick returners yeah. there. Outside lands. If you go, check out Grasslands. Tweet at us or Instagram us. Pictures, link it, promo code ham. All right. Later. See Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.